Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I was in bondage. I couldn't. Then I come to Christ and there's a power that I never had before. And I, I will never boast in how I got separated from those things as though it were me. I'm very, very, very aware that God helped me. God gave me some strength that I didn't possess when I didn't know him. And so he says, look, I brought you out of bondage. I'm glad to say that he brought me out of bondage. Because when I see you in bondage, I can offer you him. He brought me out. He can bring you out too. God don't have no favorites. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Pride is something we all can relate to. We're prideful of our skills, our possessions, and we're easily offended when someone stands up and tells us we're not as good as we think we are. Pastor Bill reminds us today how we don't even deserve to feel pride within our own strength. God is the only one with the power to transform our hearts. If you're going to take pride in anything, take pride in the fact that Jesus loves you and lends his strength so that you can overcome whatever obstacles set before you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. For you guys that have been following along with us, last week we were in chapter 9, and this is kind of the theme of the last few chapters of Corinthians. Paul is dealing with them about how to manage their liberty. You know, some people feel like they need the bondage of religion to to be holy. Um, There are even Christians that prefer a more legalistic setting, um, all the rules and structure, because you start feeling good about what you don't do. But when Christ comes and just obliterates that, you know, that when, when, when God gets done with us and we understand the gospel thoroughly, the only thing that we can glory in is what Jesus did for us. I can't glory in my rule keeping. I can't glory in the things I abstain from, what I did or didn't do. It's, it's, it, it all comes back down to what Christ has done for me. He ends up being the big deal. He ends up being the hero of the story. And so as the Corinthians are learning about liberty and remember Paul told them, you guys, if, it, if it's going to stumble my brother, for me to exercise my liberty to eat meat, I won't eat meat. I care more about you than about exercising my liberty. And what he's what he's been getting across is, you know, my liberty, my freedom is is got to be managed. You know, everybody know you can use your freedom in a way that damages you, um, that brings you. You can use your freedom and liberty in a way that brings you back into bondage. And so in one chapter, he talked to them about how that he had the right as an apostle to receive financially from them. But he said, I'm foregoing that because of how you guys are. I don't want to stumble you guys. I'll work. I'll, I'll make out. You know, Paul was a tent maker, though. That's my liberty. I should receive it. God said so. He gave him all the verses. He gave him four different biblical instances why he should receive it. Then he said, nah, but but I'm going to forego that. Right. I care more about you guys than I care about money. And so Paul's I'm foregoing my liberty and loving you guys, loving on you guys. So as we come to chapter 10, he's still on that that vein. Right. He's going to point back to the Old Testament and the Bible says that the stories of the Old Testament, it'll say it in this chapter, they were written for our learning. For you guys that have been with us on Thursday nights, many of the examples he points to are what we covered in Exodus and right now in Numbers, actually just as recent as last Thursday. So that's my plug for y'all that don't come Thursday to come on Thursday night. We we end the word Thursday night. We're going through the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Now we in numbers. Y'all missing out. So look at chapter 10, verse 1. He says, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I'm sorry, unaware. Old old King James, he says ignorant. 
I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate that same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So let me let me bring this home for you guys that have been with us Thursday night. You already know what this is talking about. So first of all, he says, hey, I want you guys to remember. I don't want you to be unaware of something. And he goes back to these Old Testament stories. He says, I want you to be I don't want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud. Where's the cloud? If you guys remember in the Old Testament, as the Israelites were wandering in the desert and God said, look, I'm going to be present with you guys in a supernatural way. And so during the daytime in the summer, how did he lead them? There was a cloud above them. And if you're in the desert, what do you want? You want some shade. And so God, that's, that's so nice of God. Is that nice? So I'm going to lead you with shade, right? Just where, where the shade goes, you follow. And that's how you know where I want you to be. So the interesting thing is, too, when you're out of sync with the Lord, you're going to be getting burned. And some of y'all know what that's all about. So, um, you know, if we want to be in sync. We want to follow him and follow his leading. He said, as you do, there'll be shade. What was there at night? Uh, a pillar of fire. And so there was a supernatural, supernatural manifestations of God as he led them out there. God said, all of our fathers were under the cloud. This is an interesting point. He tells them all of our fathers as though they were Jews. These are Gentiles that he's talking to. Um, but he's recognizing that as believers, you know, you know, we, we call Abraham our father too. We sing the little kids sing Father Abraham. I just am letting you know that Paul is including them. He's not treating them as something different because they're not Jewish. Because in Christ, what? We're all one. Jew, Greek, Gentile, woman, man, everybody in Christ, there's equality. And so I um, just didn't want you to miss that. I want to read over that so fast you didn't get it. So these aren't Jews, but he, he's speaking to them like we, we got the same dad. We're all the same. So we're all under all of our fathers were under the cloud. He says all passed through the sea. If you guys remember, they were in bondage in Egypt and he's going to draw this picture out. Right. You guys were in bondage in Egypt. What's Egypt a type of in scripture? The world. Egypt is a type of the world. They were in bondage in the world and God sent Moses to bring them out. Right. Same thing he does to you and I as we give our lives to Christ. For some of us that when we didn't know Christ, we were in bondage in the world to different things. In the world, I was in bondage to alcohol, sexual sin, greed for money. I was in bondage, ensnared in those things. As I gave my life to Christ, October of 1995, God brought me out of bondage from those things in the world. They had a grip on me. There were, there were multiple New Year's Eves where I said, this is my last time getting drunk. And then tomorrow I'm going to do different. And then guess what I did New Year's Day? All over again. You know, so I, I was in bondage. I couldn't. Then I come to Christ and there's a power that I never had before. And I, I would never boast in how I got separated from those things as though it were me. I'm very, very, very aware that God helped me. God gave me some strength that I didn't possess when I didn't know him. And so he says, look, I brought you out of bondage. And I'm glad to say that he brought me out of bondage because when I see you in bondage, I can offer you him. He brought me out. He can bring you out too. God don't have no favorites. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Amen. So, you know, that's that's the encouragement as believers. If God, if what you've done in my life, when I'm looking at someone else that's as broken as I was, I know you can help them. I know you're the answer. I remember when I was broken, you helped me. I remember when I was in bondage, you brought me out. And so I'm looking at somebody else in bondage and I'm like, I know you can bring them out. I know like you loved me when I was lost. God, you love them and their loss. 
And so he tells them, hey, you guys all were under the cloud, all had that, that, that divine provision, all passed through the sea. Verse two, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Speaking about how they all walked through on dry land as the, you guys remember that story as the, when they were brought out of bondage, um, supernatural event, God parted the Red Sea. They walked through on dry land underneath, on the ground. And then the enemies, Pharaoh's army came right behind them and they just whoosh, whooshed them over. And they're, they're brought out. It's hard for me as I, I, I read the stories of the Old Testament. I'm like, how come after all that, they wouldn't just be in love with God? You know, like I'm thinking like after all that, I would be like, man, I'm, I'm, me and God is that's everything to me, man. Forget what y'all talking about. But it wasn't like that. And for some of us. Right. We know he died on the cross. We, we I mean, we have visuals. We've seen the passion of the Christ. We know what Jesus went through and we still get out there and act up. So I read this and I'm like, how could they? And then God's like, look at you. He, you know, I mean, he brings it right back home. Look at what Christ has done for us. Look at how aware many of us are of it and how, how, how still we're broken, how still we don't always get it just right. And so we're going to learn today that we can get some we can get some some things to encourage us and teach us how to get it right, how to do better. Amen. Amen. And so as he's walking them through this this history lesson, verse three says all ate that same spiritual food. What was the food that they ate? Manna. So interesting here, he says it was spiritual food. And I want to just point out a few things. We don't have time to go back and study it, but we did study it Thursday night for y'all that were there. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to keep throwing that at you. So this was the thing about manna. God gave them manna how often? Every day. They were to go out and collect it first thing in the morning. They were to collect just enough for that day. They weren't. If they collected more, more than enough for the day, what would happen? It would worms and it would stink and it was foul. And God said, I told you, I don't do that. It was from every day. God said, I'm, I'm supernaturally providing for you manna, food from heaven every day. The reason they called it manna, the first day it was on the ground. They went out and looked at it and they said, what is it? That's what the word manna means. What is it? You know, anybody, anybody here got a wife cook you a plate. Don't say what is it? You know, just don't don't call it that. But that's what they looked down. They, they called it. What is it? Manna. And so, but check this out. They had to go get it every day. Now he says, this is just spiritual food. That was spiritual food. Just a nugget for all of us to consider. I've been on the men. We're talking about our devotion. Like we're going to finish that up this Monday night. As a matter of fact, got a couple guys going to going to share a little devotion. When it comes to devotions, why do we do it every day? Because we need fresh manna every day. I can't live off of yesterday's. I need something new. I need God to speak to me new today. Um, that's why I need to be in the word every day, fresh. Uh, I need to read afresh. I need God to God. This is a new day. New things coming up. Speak to me a new and afresh every day. I can't be living off of yesterday's manner today. It's a new day. Um, so you, you're just in your devotional life. You know, if you if you go every every few days, um, I'm, I'm just encouraging you to pick that up every day. First thing in the morning, got go out and get that, right? Before it gets hot, before it melts, before it's too late, go out and get that now. And uh, I encourage you guys, whatever you have to do to make that a priority, uh, if you got to get up earlier, if you got to make a provision, if you got to do whatever you need to do, make sure that you're, you're getting, you're giving God that time every day to minister. It'll, it will, it will, it radically impact your life and your Christian experience that you're being fed every day from the Lord, spiritual food. Amen. But they were getting manna. He says, hey, that was spiritual food. They didn't know it. And then verse four, he says, and all drank of that same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock 
that followed them, and that rock was Christ. If you guys remember, when they were in the desert, they would come to Moses and Aaron, we're thirsty, you brought us out here to kill us, blah, blah, blah. God would say, first he told uh, Moses, he said, I want you to go strike the rock. And when he struck the rock, what happened? Water gushed out, everybody drank. The next time God told Moses, speak to the rock. And we had a whole lesson on this a couple weeks ago, right? The rock is Christ. He tells us right here. How many times does Christ get struck for us? Just once. He dies for you one time. He's never coming back to die for you again. He did that once and for all. The once and for all sacrifice. We're going to celebrate that today. He was struck once. The reason why Moses didn't get to go into the promised land was because that second time when God said, now just speak to the rock and the water will come out. He struck it two times. And God said, man, you messed up the picture. First, you misrepresented me to the people. You were angry. I wasn't angry. Now you made them think I was mad at them. You mad at them, not me. Uh, you misrepresented me so you don't get to go to promised land. But you also messed up a picture. Because check this out. This is the way the picture is supposed to go. The rock was struck the first time and it, and it yielded its water. It ministered to the people. But the next time you just speak to it to receive what you need. New Testament saints, check this out. First, Christ dies for us. He struck for us. We receive him. What do we receive? We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the forgiveness of our sins, right? Now there's another experience we can have with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What do, how do I get that? Just for the asking. Ask for it. Lord, fill me. Lord, baptize me. And I just ask for it and he gives it to us. And so Moses messed up that preacher. I don't have to crucify Christ again to receive this. Now I just ask for the, for the Holy Spirit to have my life. And so when you study the old and new together, you know, there's some of the, the pictures at all. That's why we need to do both. Because these things make no sense if I don't have a working knowledge of what is that story talking about? And he gives all these illustrations here to them, which means this, that Paul speaking to the Corinthians at this time expected them to be aware of their Old Testament history, what God had done. And so I believe that that there's no less today that God expects us to know the whole thing. That's why we're reading through the whole Bible every year. That's why we're studying through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And we don't skip no books. We, we did Leviticus. So, um, you know, we, we want to get it all because there's something in it all for us to benefit from. Amen. Moving on, it says, verse five. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And so that's the understatement of the year. He said most of them, he was not well pleased. How many got to go into the promised land of the, of the initial group? Two, Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else had messed up. Everybody else was afraid. God said, go into the promised land. I'm giving it to you. Everywhere you guys go, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to bless you. And they, they went over, sent spies out, looked at how big the enemies were. And, you know, the spies go out and, and, and you know, the majority come back and say, hey, guys, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. It, never mind that the fruit is big. Never mind that everything God said is true. That's too much for us. And that made God angry, right? Because they wouldn't trust God. And I, I would just point this out to us that God doesn't want us to be a fearful people. God, what God wants his children to be like, look at the people that the Bible celebrates as heroes. Bravery is celebrated in scripture, right? There's nothing, when you look at those that cower, those that are, that are scared, those that cower down, we would say in our vernacular, punk out, right? That's not celebrated in scripture. When you look at the people, men and women, that the Bible puts forth as, look at them. These are people that stepped up in adversity, stepped up in adverse circumstances. They looked danger in the face and said, my God is bigger. 
Like I won't I won't cower down. I'm thinking of Asa with, you know, he had 580 foot soldiers and the Ethiopians came out with a million man army and 300 chariots. He was way outdone. He was like, God is nothing for you, rather with many or with few. Boom, let's go. And God gave him the victory. Gideon. Gideon was I mean, if, if you couldn't you couldn't find a man in a weaker predicament when God found him. But God told him, man, you're a mighty man of valor. We'll do something with you. Right. And Gideon, God took him and, and with, a, with an army of 300, took out the Midianites who had been given the business to the Israelites. Little David, when Saul, who was head and shoulders taller than everybody else, was afraid to go to fight Goliath. He said, you know, whoever will go, I'll give you one of my daughters as a wife and I'll give you free taxes. And then this little cute kid, David, he was ruddy. He said, it really means he was cute. Right. All these warriors, all these men of war out there, Goliath stomping out there every day, talking about who wants some and don't nobody want to go out. And then David comes and was like, why are you talking about our God like that? I'll fight him. And it made them mad. Let's go home, David. You always you out here getting in business. He said, no, I'll fight him. And he fought him and he beat him. And my favorite part of that story is as they came down to the valley. And Goliath yelled at Goliath, you come at me with this little kid, you know, like he just he was just disrespecting David. It says he came at David and said David ran at him. You don't run at nobody when you're scared. David was like, don't worry about you. Ran at him. Boom. Right. These are the things celebrated in scripture. Esther going in before the king. If I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. And she saved the entire Jewish nation at her time. On and on and on. And so when I look at this story and God says, man, I was not well pleased. Why? Because fear is a result of a lack of faith. You fear because you don't trust God. That's why you're afraid. And whatever area, you can be financially afraid. You can be afraid to move out and do something God said do. Wherever you're afraid, fear and faith are, they're like water and oil. They never go together. So when I'm afraid, I'm not walking by faith. And when I'm walking by faith, I'm not going to be overwhelmed by fear. As adults, we want to get that because I want to pass that down to my kids. I don't want my kids to feel fear. I want them to be bold and courageous, not because they bad. But don't they have a God that is all knowing, all able, all powerful, almighty? We, we, we pretty covered. Amen. And so they were covered, but they wouldn't walk in it. And it didn't please God. God said, man, I, I was not well pleased with most of them were scattered. Only Joshua and Caleb said, you guys going to go in. And then all the parents that complained, he said, you know what? None of y'all, y'all going to die in the wilderness. I'm going to let your kids go in. It's because you won't trust me. You won't believe me. You don't get to go in. Moving on now, verse six. He said, now these became our examples. Now he's going to give us five areas that they messed up in. But I want to note first, he says, these things became our examples to the intent. And he's going to give the first one that we should not lust after evil things as they also did. And I want to just point this out that God wants us to learn from their mistakes. God doesn't want you to, you don't have to make your own mistakes, right? These things are written down. Like how come God writes so honestly about the mistakes of those that have gone before us. It isn't to embarrass them for eternity. God says there'll be, there will be people coming behind and I want you guys to benefit from it. I want you to benefit from their mistakes so you don't make the same mistakes. Every time you study the Bible, you're studying God. I'm looking at the things that please God when I'm reading scripture, but I'm looking at the things that don't please him so that I can fall in line. When I look at how God responds to people's behaviors, I'm saying, wow, that pleased him. Or that, why he did not like that. Why he was really upset about that. As theology, I'm learning God. And so we want to have that, that mind on every time we open up the Bible. I'm, I'm learning something about my God that I might walk more pleasing to him. So we're going to see five examples of things that don't please him. And then we're going to get some information so that we walk pleasing to him. Amen. And so the first one in verse uh, six, 
He said these things again have become our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And so if you're writing notes, write down Numbers chapter 11. That's where this story comes from. They lusted after evil things. And that scenario in, in Numbers, they complained. It says the people complained against the Lord and the Lord heard it and he became angry. We studied that probably about seven, eight weeks ago. Um, and they were lusting after other things. God had provided for them and they were like, no, we want something else. We want more than what you provided. You provide manna. We want, we want quail. We want something else. We want meat, you know, and, and God said they, they lusted after evil things. This is it. The word lust means a strong desire. And all of us here have a portion that God's provided for us. It's a bad thing to be discontent with what God has provided. Why? Why? Because you live in a society where everybody wants more. But the people that have the most, they still want more. You know that? Do you know that when you get into the habit of wanting more that you never really have enough anyway? So God said, I want to I want to save my people from that. Won't you be content with what I provide you with? And if I give you more, praise God. But you need to learn how to be content right where you're at. God was providing supernaturally and they were like, nah, we're not happy with this. And they complained. But when they complained, the Bible says they complained against the Lord. So, too, when I complain and when you complain, we're actually complaining against God. I'm saying, God, you haven't done enough for me. Most of us would never say that. We would never line it up like that. We would never say, God, you haven't been good enough. God, you haven't done enough. But when I'm complaining, that's what I'm saying. Not good enough. I, I, I deserve better. I, I hope none of us would be fool enough to shape your lips and tell God what you deserve. Because we all know what we really deserve and it's not better. So, um, but it says, so the number, the first thing that we want to learn uh, uh, that they did wrong was lusting after evil things. Lusting after things that God didn't have in mind, didn't have for them. Um, and so if you're here today and you find that that's a habit for you, do you lust after evil things? What's an evil thing? You know, there could be there are things that are evil in and of themselves that people might lust after. There are things that are evil in the sense that it's just not what God has for you. Right? It's not a bad thing in general. It just be it's bad for you to be lusting after it. I, and again, what's the cure to lusting after evil things? It's when my desire, when, 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 I, when my heart is directed towards the Lord, God, I, want, I just want you, right? I want more of you. That'll save me from lusting after other things. My, my desire is the Lord. I want more of him. Because then I'm wanting more of something I could actually have more of that God wants to give me more of. It'd be better for us to want more of him than to be wanting some stuff and some things. Stuff and things are okay. If God's granted them to you, praise the Lord. But, but don't get caught up. You know, we live in a very materialistic world that have you feeling like you're not enough and you don't have enough because you don't have one of those. You're not driving one of them and, you know, so forth and so on. And people get themselves into bondage and all kind of debt and everything else trying to trying to live at a level that's just beyond what God is doing for you. Uh, that's why I hate the whole word faith movement where everybody's taught to, you know, claim what you want. And I'm going to believe God for this, that and the fifth and, and whatever, whatever you want, you're supposed to have. Like God is a genie. God is not a genie. He's not a genie. Imagine if your kids could have everything they wanted. Every parent here, just think about if your kids at every phase of their life, all the silly, immature phase. What if they could just at every phase have had whatever they wanted? Would they be ruined? They would be ruined. So would you. So would you. So you grown folks. We would be ruined if, if, if everything I was like, I just want that. God, I just know if I could have that. And God was like, nah, I know you. I know you. I know you real good. It's not going to be good for you. You need, I got you right where you need to be. And so we need to trust him. 
Like he, he loves us and he has us right where we need to be. Um, some people can handle a whole lot. Some of us are, 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 are held back because God said, if you had any more, you'll walk away. If I gave you any more, you'll be out there doing, doing the thing again. So I'm, I'm helping you out by keeping you right here. Some of y'all know it's true. So. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.